for joining me. I'm your host, Catherine Tarpinian, and this is the very first episode of Hail Saturn, a new lifestyle and astrology podcast. In today's episode, I'd like to quickly introduce myself and then dive right into some of the astrology that's top of mind for me now and that I'm dying to share with you. But first, a little bit about me and why I'm starting this podcast. My name is Catherine, and as of the date of this recording, I am two months and 19 days away from completing and graduating my very first official Saturn return. It's a momentous occasion in my life and in the lives of anyone in my cohort born from 1991 until 1994, uh, with a small exception in May to June of 1993. But for my cohort and I, born with Saturn in Aquarius, we are going to be finally releasing a very challenging, very difficult period of growth in our lives and entering a new phase of our existence where we have completed one Saturn cycle through our charts and through the zodiac. And we are now initiated astrologically into adulthood. We are no longer young (laughs) sorry to say it but we are powerful we have entered a new phase of our own personal power that allows us to move through the world and manifest and create and imprint our mark on the world uh it's time for us saturn and aquarius cohort to move forward and you know to grow old and do some shit (laughs) Yeah, it's a very exciting time. Uh, Personally, I am reviving and revitalizing uh, personal consulting astrology practice. Uh, It's something that I put on the back burner during my Saturn return in order to focus on my personal karmic challenges and the demands that were before me. Uh, Not every astrologer stops practicing during their Saturn return. Uh, I think that's actually pretty rare to do that but for me my Saturn return when I first felt it hit uh, which for me happened for the astrologers in the room at like a three degree orb when it first reached that three degrees away from my natal Saturn when I got there I got absolutely knocked on my ass (laughs) floored it was a shocking shocking experience that made me reevaluate everything in my life and because of that I opted to take a break from reading for other people until I knew more about what was going on I needed more information I needed to know if this was something I was supposed to do I have always felt with astrology that it's different from anything else I've ever tried to do in that I've gotten basically nothing but support from the universe and the cosmos for it. And I can't say that about anything else I've ever wanted or anything I've ever tried. When I first started studying astrology, it came along with this really strange sense of deja vu, where when I read things, they either felt familiar, and familiar meant like correct and factor it in, and this is something to know and to memorize, but it felt more like I was remembering it, 
even though I was reading it on a page, I don't know. I mean, I've learned a lot of things. I'm 30 years old and nothing I've ever studied has felt like this for me. As I went along, this feeling of deja vu like really persisted and ended up kind of becoming my intuitive guide to take me through what was essentially autodidactically learning astrology. I have never really had a teacher, although in some ways I've had like hundreds of teachers. Um, I certainly am not learning in a vacuum. I learn from life. I observe ravenously, obsessively. I am so hungry for real information and emotional information of people's experience of their lives and their transits and their charts and I've been lucky enough to be able to read thousands of unique charts for real people Um, so that's actual one-on-one back and forth conversational readings I've done a huge number of those and been very very lucky in the amount of experience I've been able to gain and the perspective I've been able to gain as an astrologer from working in that way and really using the primary sources of observation and experience to guide my personal practice. So let me roll it back a little bit. How did I become an astrologer and how did I read so many charts? Well, I first pulled up my birth chart probably in like 2016 maybe the beginning of 2017. I think I remember like Christmas 2016, looking at my chart, maybe at my parents' house for Christmas and not, and being frustrated, seeing things like Uranus conjunct Neptune and not knowing what that means. (laughs) Being like, why did they write it this way? Like, what am I supposed to think about Uranus conjunct Neptune? What does conjunct mean? And like, Yeah, is that supposed to mean anything to me? The way that I feel about occult things like astrology, tarot, other things like that, they reveal themselves to you in time when you're ready for them. So clearly I wasn't totally ready at the end of 2016, but in August of 2017, I pulled up my chart again and suddenly I knew how to dive into it. And I started just kind of one by one looking at each piece of it. I started, I think, with my sun and my moon. And then I was like, what are the rest of these glyphs? I learned what they were. I looked up each of my individual placements, and then I moved on to the aspects in my chart. And just piece by piece went through and read anything I could about, you know, each of these placements. So looking at my chart, right, I'm a Leo rising. So I looked up what, what does Leo rising mean? What does Virgo in the second house mean? What does Jupiter in the second house mean? Things like this, you know, what does Saturn square Pluto mean? What does moon trine Mercury mean? And just kind of work from there and, and built up my bank of what I knew slowly, but surely hungrily. And I, quickly passed, you know, where my chart could take me. And I asked friends, my husband, uh, for their charts. I just started studying, you know, with the people in my circle, as many charts as I could get and, and talking to them and asking them, 
you know, what do you think about this? Like, this is something I know about this planet, you know, just starting small and, but making it conversational and making it interpersonal. And immediately I was trying to read for people because that's just what it felt right to do. And when, when I had looked at my own chart for the first time and, and really seen it and really started to crack it open, I just felt seen for like the first time in my life and seen by who, right? But there really was a feeling of, of being seen. And I guess this is a good place to, to bring God into it. I feel like when I found astrology, I wasn't very in touch with God, but I was needing God desperately. It was a time when I was grieving, really the first big loss that I had grieved. I was very, very lucky throughout most of my life to not really experience a great deal of loss. And then when I did in my adulthood, it hit me so hard and I I really struggled to understand why and what can I do in order to really just cope. When I looked at my chart for the first time, I kind of felt like God was talking to me and saying, listen, you are this way. You are how you are. Because, of course, it wasn't just the grief that was making my life unmanageable. It was all of these qualities and aspects and dynamics within myself that I didn't have an understanding of. I didn't even have words to articulate it. And I definitely didn't have an objective framework to compare it to, to understand how different my life experience was from the people I was dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And also how my behaviors and my ways of being and moving through the world might be impacting them. I had a very, very subjective viewpoint at the time, and it was really limiting to me. And it was making my life feel unlivable. When I found astrology, I felt like I could finally grasp a framework. I had never had a framework to understand the world with before. And finally, I had one. And it was perfect. And it had everything. (laughs) And it held everyone And I could start to see patterns and ways that my modes of being imprinted on other people and caused them to behave in different ways and caused them to react. And that ways that they had ingrained in them of perceiving the world and moving through it were so antithetical to how I was living, but I wasn't respecting that their way of doing things was just as valid. It was just different. It seems so basic, but I think when you're young, you really do have such a subjective experience of the world and you don't always understand like just how vast and varied the experiences are for different people who just have different personality types, you know, let alone different circumstances, materially, intellectually, socially, and more. It wasn't an instantaneous shift by any means. 
discovering astrology didn't immediately make me an enlightened person. It didn't immediately heal me, immediately make me capable of dealing with the insurmountable issues that had been plaguing me. But it did give me enough hope to keep going. And ultimately, it did help me heal and move forward in a way that I doubt I would have been able to without it. Which brings me to why I started this podcast. Astrology has been an invaluable tool for me to self-reflect and to understand my own psychological makeup, why I am the way I am, what my behaviors are like in the context of our society and our world and the vast array of different energies that make up you know, the beautiful, diverse world that we're a part of. I could start to see how I fit into it and I could start to connect with other people in a way that had always sort of eluded me. For me, my challenges are largely interpersonal and come from not understanding how other people's minds are working and being maybe too rigid in my own ways of being, too attached to my own ways of seeing things and experiencing things that put me at an impasse with other people. We come to a disagreement and we're not able to meet in the middle about it. And I have to think, you know, over time that it's me, right? when something is happening to you over and over again, you're the common denominator, right? It's not that all of these people are, you know, this way. Maybe they are all Aquariuses, but that doesn't mean that like all Aquariuses are flawed in some way or are making the same interpersonal mistake. And actually astrology, you know, it gave me a more objective framework to actually look and see and say, well, actually, Aquarius is kind of the the home sign, the most experienced in social matters. You know, it's the, the home sign of community, of a wide-ranging social network. Aquariuses are very social and interpersonally adept people who are talented at connecting with lots of different people with complementary skill sets and pulling together talented groups of people to work toward visionary goals. So when I think about Aquarius energy, I think actually, you know, that's, those are people that I can really learn from, you know? So if I'm butting heads with Aquarius type people over and over again, over interpersonal things, that gives me an idea when I look at it astrologically that there's something going on with me, you know, and and the way that I'm handling myself that maybe is working against me and maybe is costing me in the long run. So, you know, when I look at my own chart and I see that I have Saturn in Aquarius, that that's my only air placement, that it's in the seventh house, I'm like, okay, let's get real. You've got karmic challenges when it comes to dealing with other people that you're close to, that you have a one-on-one connection with. 
which is what the seventh house represents. It's our one-on-one partnerships and really the people that we're closest to. So looking at my chart and, you know, it's kind of written all over it. I'm sure that we'll dive into all my personal placements in due time. But just as an example of the kind of like real objective feedback that astrology can provide that you almost are giving yourself when you're just alone with your chart, you can really get real with yourself. And also as an astrologer, you know, practicing and working with clients, that's what I try to do for them is basically be a channel, be a proxy, be, you know, a mirror and help facilitate that experience for people, reflecting their chart back to them and sort of speaking the truth that they already know about themselves. You know, in my most successful readings, I really feel like I'm not telling my clients anything new. You know, it's more that I'm pulling things out and kind of cutting through the noise to mirror back my clients' own thoughts, you know, that have sort of been maybe caught up in the hectic nature of life and, you know, the hundreds, thousands of thoughts that we have on a daily and weekly basis. What I try to do in my readings and what I do for myself when I'm reading my own chart is look for the messages try to pull them out and then I trust that because those are the messages that came from the chart that's what's important for me to focus on right now life is short but it's also really long we have time to focus on every single aspect of our lives and our existence and really put our whole hearts into it and work to try to improve our circumstances that's what life's about in my opinion is just working to better yourself, working to improve, working to learn more, you know? And I I love, I love the, the zodiac and the astrological wheel and the 12 houses because it reminds me that there's time for everything and everything will happen in time. And if I'm overwhelmed, I can look at the chart and I can say, this is what it's time for me to be thinking about right now. And I can let the rest go. I can focus on this and I'll trust that in time I'll circle around to where I want to be. So that brings me to where I am right now at the end of my Saturn return, starting this podcast, launching my client practice, my astrology business, and hoping that I can make a difference in people's relationships with themselves and with astrology and ultimately with the universe and the collective and I hope to help people unlock their personal power and move through the world in a more empowered and intentional way and make shit happen make your dreams come true because when I look at these charts and I read for people I'm so awestruck by the immense power that each one of us has been blessed with. And I really believe that we are all here with an immense capacity to change things and to change the world and that we all have a role. Um, We just get confused, we get lost. Life is so complicated and there are so many distractions. And the society that we live in, it's not conducive to our spiritual growth and 
to us being connected with God. You know, that's why you see sometimes the people who are the most connected with God are like caught up in these horrible cults, you know, because society has shunned spirituality so much that people need to hide in these groups and and protect their ability to worship and to look inward and to rest. But I want to decouple that. I think that's a part of my work here and my generation's work, and I hope we can get into that maybe even today in the first episode a little bit. Um, I'm really, really excited about where we are in space-time and all the potential that is available to us as a collective right now. And hopefully I can help connect you to yourself, connect you to the collective, and connect the collective to the cosmos. And yeah, that's what, that's my goal. It's lofty, but I think together, and really only together, because I need you to work, and we'll get into that. Uh, Hail Saturn, Saturn is all about work. So we're gonna talk about getting disciplined, doing the work, making things happen, building things, building a legacy, building things that last, getting a strong foundation under us. We're gonna talk about all that stuff, and together we will find a way to build the future. So let's talk about Saturn. Something essential about Saturn is that Saturn is the furthest planet from Earth which is still observable by the human eye. For that reason, Saturn represents our limits and the boundaries that confine our human existence. Saturn tells us where we must discipline ourselves to work through significant challenges and forces us to earn mastery by building a ladder to our goals ourselves. Saturn says you can get to the top with just two or three rungs if you organize yourself and stay diligent, but Saturn is also a builder. And Saturn knows that if you build a sturdy skyscraper with an elevator and an emergency stair, you'll be able to reach the top anytime you want to, in any event and any weather. And that's what Saturn is really trying to do for us, is help us build that mansion on the hill, that castle in the sky. For me, it's a penthouse in New York City. It wants to help us reach the top, you know? Saturn rules Capricorn and also Aquarius. But think about Capricorn and the mountain goat climbing up the side, you know, with those skinny but really strong and flexible legs. The goat using just its own skin and bones, its own very slight body to scale the sheer mountain cliff and reach the top and take in the view and enjoy whatever safety is offered up there. But Saturn wants us to reach the top of the mountain, to realize our goals, and to find the safety and the security that comes with building your own success. And so before Saturn blesses us, he challenges us greatly. And those challenges last for about 29 years on average until the first Saturn return when we're tested by Saturn and our structures either withstand the wicked winds that blow our way during this time or they're decimated and we're forced to rebuild. The first Saturn cycle lasts 29 years and during that time Saturn makes contact with every point, planet, and placement in each of our charts. It makes every aspect to every planet 
and we learn every lesson that Saturn has for us in life during this time. We get one go around to experience it all. And then during our Saturn return, we're asked to integrate it and to transform, to level up, to accept new responsibilities and to advance into astrological adulthood. Okay, I have a lot I wanna talk about today in this episode and already I'm feeling like I missed something and I skipped over a part of my story in my haste to get to Saturn. (laughs) So let me roll it back a tiny bit and discuss how I became a professional astrologer reading charts as my job. So I mentioned that as of August 2017, I was kind of off to the races in terms of learning astrology. I had just gotten married. I was living with my husband. I was not working at the time, so there was no job occupying my time and my mind. And I was able to just wholly dive into this new obsession, total obsession that I had discovered. So that was the initial phase of the universe supporting my pivot to being a practicing astrologer. My next break from the universe came through a friend of mine who was also my neighbor at the time. And we were walking in the neighborhood and discussing life and career and my lack of work and what I wanted to do next. And I was telling her about my newfound astrology obsession and asking to read her chart. And then she said that actually the company that she had been working for was working on bringing a new astrology product to market. Uh, It wasn't something that existed in the world yet, and it was a very exciting idea. So I took a meeting with her boss, and that meeting, weirdly enough, was at the top of 30 Rock, which was just like an odd little detail that kind of made it feel all that more exciting and all that more glamorous to me. And... The rest is history. I signed on as a contractor with this company and I helped them build that astrological product and bring it to market. And through that work, I was able to read hundreds and eventually over a thousand charts while I was working at that company. These readings were short. They, that's kind of the catch is that they were mini readings. Uh, that's why I was able to do so many. The product that they were selling was 15-minute text-based readings with a real astrologer. So most of the readings were me on a laptop remotely typing uh, my insights in real time to an actual person who was then able to message me back and say, yes, that resonates. No, it doesn't. Here are the details of my life. And that way is really how I cut my teeth astrologically. Uh, working mainly remotely, but also in person at uh, events in New York City that this company put on, promotional events. Uh, We would go around the city and basically a group of us astrologers would offer back-to-back 15-minute cold readings uh, where somebody will give us their birth date, time, location, we'll put it into our app, and then off we go. And those readings were really 
amazing for me to experience because I had the person I was reading for literally in front of me. So that is such a privilege. Even in my practice now, most of my readings are video readings that are done virtually over Google Meet. And that's great because, you know, I can screen share, I can show the chart, I can, you know, use my mouse to kind of point things out, I can pull things up for people. So it's everything that I need, but it doesn't replace that human connection. There's really nothing like being right there in the same room, just one foot away from the person I'm reading for. And that intimacy is really unmatched. And it was an awesome experience to be able to do it in the way that I did with that company for so many people each day that I was working, you know, I would do probably like a minimum of like 10 readings each day. And as an astrologer, you just, you don't get to work with that many charts on that level in that way. So it's a unique way, I think, to become an astrologer. And there aren't really many others like me that I can really think of. I didn't really have peers who trained the same way at that company. Most of the other astrologers who were employed by them were much more senior than I with many more years of experience under their belt. So I was very, very lucky to connect with them when I did and for them to give me that opportunity to really grow with them. And I just, I put my whole self into it and it was a transformative experience. Now that I am where I am as an astrologer and in my own practice, having left this company in early 2020 and been on my own, really developing my own voice, my own perspective as an astrologer separate from anyone else's financial endeavor, now that I am where I am, I'm able to look back and really connect this path that brought me to being this person, to doing this work, and see that Uranus was signifying the journey and the timing throughout. When I connected with this company, Uranus had just entered Taurus in May of 2018, and my midheaven is in Taurus at three degrees, so as soon as it crossed that sign barrier, it was within a three-degree orb. That works for me timing-wise really well to signify when events will happen. So kind of on that note, I would like to talk to two specific groups of people today. Um, Those born in the early 90s who have Saturn in Aquarius or Saturn in Pisces. So if your birthday falls between February 7th, 1991 and January 29th, 1994, you're part of the Saturn in Aquarius group that I'm talking to. And if your birthday is from January 29th, 94 until April 8th, 1996, then you are a member of the Saturn in Pisces group. Now, there is uh, one small exception to that rule, which is the date range of May 22nd, 1993 until June 30th, 1993. You guys have Saturn in Pisces, even though that range is in the middle of Saturn's stay in Aquarius. And that's really interesting timing for 
Another reason, which is that your birthday, 1993 line, coincides with the exact conjunction between Uranus and Neptune, which is a generational chart signature that these two groups, Saturn in Aquarius and Saturn in Pisces cohorts, share. Uh, So let's get into it. When astrologers look back on the Uranus-Neptune conjunction of 1993, the main event that stands out is the advent of the World Wide Web. In 1993, the internet was made open and free to everyone, and the very first internet browser was released to the public. The Uranep conjunction preceding that one, in 1821, marked the world's first railways in the UK and coincided with the second industrial revolution. There really is this amazing theme of innovation and invention that is brought to the public and the masses that connects us and connects our world and enables us to maneuver through the world in ways that we have not been able to anticipate before. Both of these conjunctions took place in Saturn's home sign of Capricorn, and sort of unusually, the next Uranus-Neptune conjunction of 2164 will also be in Capricorn. So here we have a major theme of Uranus and Neptune spending almost 600 years studying Saturn's lessons together. Seems to me like Uranus and Neptune are looking to be made more tangible and given a larger role in our current civilization and the one we're building. As I mentioned earlier, before the dawn of telescopes, we could only see up until Saturn with our human eye. But... After the advent of telescopes, we were able to discover the outer planets. There have been 12 signs for millennia, so some of the planets had to pull double duty. And in my practice, I still acknowledge traditional rulerships and I incorporate modern rulerships as well. So in my mind, Aquarius and Pisces each have two rulers. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus and Saturn and Pisces is ruled by Jupiter and Neptune. Uranus and Neptune both have very long cycles. They take 80 to, I think, like 172 years or something to cycle through the zodiac and through our charts. So throughout our lifetimes, we don't actually see Uranus and Neptune both circle through our entire chart necessarily. Not all of us will experience a Uranus return and none of us will experience a Neptune return. But Every 170 to 172 years, their cycles meet and they connect at the same point within the zodiac. So the last time that this happened was in 1993. And because as astrologers, we use orbs, energy applies and recedes. And so these transits last more than just the specific day or dates on which they're exact. But the exactness and the precision of the connection does matter, and it does speak to the strength of the planetary combination. So in 1993, that is when they made an exact conjunction, Uranus and Neptune together in Capricorn at 19 and 20 degrees of Capricorn. Uranus is the planet of invention and innovation and rebellion and shaking things up, doing things a new way, developing new systems and inventing where our systems are not up to par. Neptune, on the other hand, 
Neptune is the planet that represents the collective and our connection to spirit. The ruler of the 12th house, the ruler of Pisces, Neptune represents everything that's unseen, that makes us doubt, that confuses us, that brings lack of clarity to our lives. Neptune also is the planet of imagination, creativity, visions, dreams, and cinema. Think about images projected on a screen, a mirage in the desert, dreams that stay with you long after you wake. When Uranus and Neptune come together, we see world-changing invention and innovation being brought to the masses. We see collective modernization and giant leaps into the future for the everyday person. For the people with Uranus conjunct Neptune in your birth charts, this energy is baked into you. You are messengers and representatives of this forward shift. Millennials, the internet generation, your engineers and oversharers, trendsetters and vibe curators of our online life. And now you have reached your Saturn return. Aquarius cohort, you are graduating on March 8th and Pisces cohort, on March 8th your journeys begin. Your Saturn return can feel like a tower moment, but I want you to focus on what gets built from the rubble. You are building your foundation for the next 30 years, so make it sturdy. Work with Saturn, not against him. That's the best advice I can give you. Get serious and understand that if your challenges feel too great, if they are so insurmountable that they block you, you may need to find another way. You may need to get Uranian about it. If you can't climb the mountain before you, can you figure out a way to tunnel through? Or get around it somehow? Maybe there's a bigger mountain waiting for you, and you just can't see it with your current goal obstructing the view. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to dive deeper into everything that we talked about today and so much more in future episodes. Um, I would love to connect with you guys. I'm going to figure out a way that you can call me and call into the podcast and we can have a little bit of a back and forth over the air, hopefully. Yeah, lots more to come. Thank you for being here. God bless you and I'll talk to you soon.